Well, over the years, I have had the privilege of getting to be a coach, and uh, I love getting to be a coach and having opportunities to coach my kids' t-ball team or baseball team or soccer team is just awesome. I love that. But one of the most important and memorable coaching opportunities I uh, ever had was actually getting to be my wife's birth coach. Yes, her birth coach. You see, when we were found out we were getting ready to have our first child, my wife and I began to think through like, man, we've never done this before. Like, what do we do? Like, do we need to hire a doula? Do we need to hire a birth coach? And I told my wife, hey, honey, look, I can be your birth coach. Like, I got this. I can do it. And she kind of reluctantly was like, okay. And so, you know, we went to birth school. They have classes on, on birth stuff. And so we went and we did. We went to the classes and I passed and I was ready to go. I was like familiar with everything and how it all worked. We even wrote our birth plan out. Like we were ready to go. And eventually the time came for our first daughter, Olivia, to be born. And so contraction started, but we were ready. We had the bags packed and we headed off to um, the hospital together and we got there and things started to progress, you know, and contractions started to happen. And one of my jobs as my wife's birth coach was breathing, was to walk her through breathing. And I would actually talk her through. And the way in which I would do that is I would just, I would talk her through and say, okay, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. Like that was my job, specifically like when the contractions were, were going. So I was, I was on my game. I was doing, doing my thing. And as birthing things continued to happen and the intensity of things continued to happen, I was helping my wife with her breathing. Breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. And things continued to intensify. More birthing things started to happen. I was like, breathe in, breathe out, <laughs> breathe in, Breathe out when all of a sudden, I'll never forget my wife, her hand reaches over and she grabs my shoulder and she's like, honey, you're gonna kill me. I can't breathe. I can't, I can't catch my breath. And right, as things were intensifying, so was the pace of my breathing and it was getting to the point where I was no longer helping my wife. I was hurting her. In fact, she was struggling to even catch her breath. And, you know, we look back on that story now and we laugh about it. You know, I, I think about that story and man, that story, I think, represents, though, so many of our lives today. Subtly, little by little, the pace increases, the intensity of life increases, and we can find it harder to catch our breath. All right, it starts with college. You go to college, you work hard to get that degree, and you get that degree. And you graduate, and then you land that job, and it's a great job, and you start working for that company. And also during that time, you get your own apartment, and you're paying rent. You also get a car, and you buy a car, and you now have a car payment. Also during that time, you meet a girl, and that girl turns into your wife, and you get married, and you start a family together, which leads to buying a home and having a mortgage, which then leads to having babies, which leads to diapers, which leads to having another baby, and then more diapers, and then that leads to preschool, and then elementary school, and then you have dance recitals, and you have band practice, and you have soccer practice, and baseball practice, and braces, and then another kid, right? And then all of a sudden, you find yourself like struggling to breathe. There is so much happening in life, and you're struggling to, to hold it all together. Life can feel overwhelming, right? We're busy. We are so busy. In fact, we're so busy that nowadays we even we even multitask in the bathroom, right? We are doing business while doing business. 
Hopefully that's not too much information for, for some of you, but man, that, that's the reality of the world that we live in. We are busy, and today I wanna talk about that, and we wanna talk about the subtle sin of busyness. We're busy. There is so much happening in our life. There's so much noise in our world, so many things that distract us, so many things that can entertain us and capture our attention. We're busy. And so the question I want us to look at today is, is busyness keeping you and me? Is it keeping you from God's best for your life? Is busyness keeping you from moments and opportunity and people in your life that God wants you to love, that God wants you to serve? Is busyness keeping you from the work that God wants to do in your own heart and in your own life, but we're missing it because we're just, we're busy and our mind is filled with other, other things. Is busyness keeping us from God's best for our lives? And man, this is something I wrestle with and struggle with. Those that know me well know that I am not good at not being busy. And I would imagine for many of you, it's probably a struggle as well. And we would probably all admit that at times, man, I am probably more busy than I should be because we all have places to be, jobs to do, bills to pay, kitchens to clean, kids to raise, yards to mow, dinners to cook, clothes to buy, clothes to wash, clothes to wash, clothes to wash, and photos to edit, and reels to put on Instagram, or stories to put together, and new shows to start on Netflix, or shows to finish on Netflix, right? And the pace is increasing, and it's getting harder to keep our, our breath, and that breath, it's getting closer and closer together, and we find ourselves realizing, man, we don't even have time for the things in life that are valuable and important to us. So we don't have time for the relationships and the people in our lives that matter to us. We don't even have time for God to open up his word and to talk to him and learn about him or even get, get to church or be with other followers of Jesus. Man, life is just so busy, right? And we, we look around though and we look at the world around us and we're like, well, no one else really does and we fall into the trap that we talked about a few weeks ago, the sin of comparison and we're like, well, nobody else has time for everything. So maybe this is just normal. Maybe this is just the way that life is supposed to be. Maybe this is just God's will for my life right now. But what if the subtle sin of busyness is keeping us from moments and opportunities and people and things in our life that truly matter, which is why we are in this series called Subtle Sins of Society, where we're kind of hitting time out. We're hitting the pause button to evaluate and to say like, man, are there things happening around us in society that are just normal now? And we've kind of just grown numb and blind to them, but they really are things that are not best for us. In fact, they're pulling us away from what God wants from our lives rather than pulling us or pushing us towards what God desires for us. You know, when I think about the subtle sin of busyness, what I'd like to do is I'd like us to compare it and look at this sin of busyness against the life of Jesus, because we're called to follow Jesus. We're called to model our lives after Jesus. We're called to follow his example. And so today, what we're gonna do is we're not gonna camp out in any one particular passage of scripture, but we're gonna look at a few, and we're gonna look at like an overview of Jesus's life. And we're gonna find and see that Jesus lived a full life. He had a lot of things going on. But there were also things that were present in his life that are important, but they're oftentimes things that go missing in our lives when our lives get busy. In fact, when you look at the gospels and you look at the way that, that Jesus lived, 
we really only kind of get a glimpse into three years of his life. In fact, his ministry, his public ministry was only three years long. And in those three years, he accomplished a lot. We know that he recruited a group of 12 guys, just average, ordinary guys, and trained them up and taught them kingdom values and sent them out to start the church. He uh, endured the hatred of the Pharisees, resisted the temptation of the devil. He healed sick people. He loved people who were hurting. He fulfilled hundreds of Old Testament prophecies. Jesus accomplished a lot in his three years of ministry. And from what we see in the New Testament, what's interesting, though, is we don't ever see Jesus flustered, though. We don't ever see Jesus, like, pulling out his hair or his hair on fire. or He's just, like, like losing his mind because there's just so much happening and his schedule is spilling out of control. In fact, we don't even see an example. In all of the Gospels, you can't find one example of Jesus even running, not even, like, a skip or a fast walk, or, or a jog. We don't ever see him running. Jesus had a lot going on, important stuff, but he never appeared to be rushed on the inside. It's interesting. If you look throughout the Gospels, too, you'll see there, there is a phrase there that shows up repeatedly over and over again about Jesus, and it's this. As Jesus walked, as he walked, as Jesus walked, you'll see this phrase over and over again. I love this quote from a Japanese theologian. He said this, love has its speed. It's a spiritual speed. It goes on in the depth of our life, whether we notice it or not, at three miles an hour. It is the speed we walk and therefore the speed the love of God walks. I love that, that love has a speed. It's about three miles an hour, the speed in which we walk. And this phrase that we see throughout the New Testament, as Jesus walked, we see it repeated. In fact, here's an example of it in Mark 2, verse 14. It says this, as Jesus walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. Now, what's interesting is you look at this verse and you think about it. Right, if Jesus was living an unrushed life and Levi follows Jesus, which he does, Right, and he walks with Jesus, well then Levi should have been living an unrushed life. If you think about that a little bit more as it relates to our lives today, or I think about my life, well, if, if I'm following Jesus and Jesus lived an unrushed life, well then I should be living an unrushed life. But yet the way I, I live my life oftentimes feels very different from the way that Jesus lives, right? And I, I feel like, man, the pace of life has been picking up lately and I can feel so easily rushed or stressed or overwhelmed or exhausted trying to get every, everything done. And it, man, it doesn't feel like this pace that Jesus experienced as he walked through life in this unrushed pace. Like, what is it that I'm, I'm missing and oftentimes it's this invitation that Jesus invites us to as we're to walk with him that, that we miss. In fact, we see this beautiful invitation in Matthew 11, verse 28. Look at what Jesus offers to you and to me today. This is what he says. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Are you tired? Are you worn out, burnout, exhausted? Jesus says, look, come to me. 
And when you come to me, you're gonna find rest. You're gonna find your life. I'll show you what real rest looks like. I love this. Jesus says, walk with me. And I love this phrase. He actually says, learn from me. Do it at my pace. Watch how I do it. And as we walk with Jesus, what we learn is he's never gonna lay anything on us that's harmful for us. He's never gonna lay anything on us that's ill-fitting for you or me. He's gonna help us learn what it means to live freely. He's gonna help us learn what it means to live lightly. This is what Jesus says, watch, walk with me. Learn from me. Don't just believe what Jesus said. We should do that, but we should also look at the way that Jesus lived. So let's think about that. How did Jesus live his life. He only lived 33 years, and much of his life that we see in the New Testament is just the three years of ministry. But when we look at the way that Jesus lived, we see that Jesus lived an unrushed life. And we see that he lived a life that was focused on serving other people. In fact, in Mark 1, read Mark 1, you'll see kind of a day in the life of Jesus, which consisted of him teaching at the synagogue and teaching. And then after that, he went to the disciples' house. And he continued to minister. And at that time, they would bring people to Jesus for Jesus to heal people who were um, consumed with a demon and he would cast out demons. It says that he even late into the evening after the sun had set, Jesus was continuing to serve people and love people and heal people. At the end of chapter one, it even says early the next day before the sun had even come back up, Jesus went away to pray to be with his father. He lived an unrushed life, but a life that was full, full of serving other people people. A few chapters later in Mark chapter 5, there's um, a story of where a synagogue leader named Jairus comes and uh, meets with Jesus and says, look, Jesus, my daughter, she has a life-threatening illness and she's about ready to die. Would you come? Would you please heal her? And Jesus says, sure, okay, I'll be there. I will come and heal her. And as Jesus is on his way, he's intercepted by another woman or by a woman, a woman who had been um, sick for 12 years And as Jesus is meeting with this woman and as he heals this woman of her illness, Jairus' daughter actually passes away. And we find out later that that Jesus, he continues on his journey and when he gets to Jairus' house, he finds that everyone is crying, everyone is weeping because Jairus' daughter had passed away but yet Jesus steps in. He says, look, I have control over time. Things are in my control and he still proceeds to heal Jairus' daughter. Jesus lived an unrushed life You think of even just his unrushed life, even in terms of his mode of transportation. Think of a week before Easter, a week before the crucifixion, Jesus enters into Jerusalem. And how does Jesus enter into Jerusalem? He comes riding on a donkey. Now, if I'm the king of kings, if I'm, you know, the son of God, right, I'm coming on like like a black er, horse, like a stallion, powerful, strong, and fast. Not Jesus. He comes on a donkey, A donkey is like one of the slowest four-legged creatures on the planet, right? I've never seen a donkey in a hurry to do anything. Jesus, he lived, he lived an unrushed life. And so if we press into this and we think, well, if Jesus wasn't rushed and we're called to follow Jesus, why do you think we are so rushed? And I think if we think about that, and I press in and think about that in my own life of why am I so rushed? Why am I so busy? I think the reason for that is because oftentimes we're running from something or we are running to something. 
We're running from something or we're running to something. We're, we're all searching for significance. Every one of us, we're searching for value. We're searching for significance. We're searching for worth. And if I look at my life and think about my life and I'm honest, I'm probably running from insignificance and I'm running towards acceptance. Right? I wanna be valued. I want people to value me. I wanna be successful and I want people to accept accept me. Maybe for you, you might be running from a past failure. You might be running from something someone said about you, running from an insecurity, and you're like, man, I'm going to prove that person wrong. I'm going to prove that person wrong. You're running from hurt. Some of you, you might be running towards something or towards a goal or towards a vision for your life. You're running towards success, towards an image, towards popularity, or you're running towards fame. You see, we're all on a search. We're all on a quest for significance. But the problem is that's, that's where society's at. That's what society is chasing after. And if that is our motivation and the way in which we're living life, you just gotta know, you may find some of that temporarily, but that type of life, even if you find it, is always going to leave you empty. What if the subtle sin of busyness is keeping you and me from God's best for our lives, right? Oftentimes we just feel like, man, I just, I just don't have time. I can't get it all done. It's hard for me to slow down. There's just too much going on. But here's the reality for all of us. We're all working with the same amount of time. You see, at the end of the day, you have time for what you choose to have time for. You do, and the solution is not more time. The solution is more of what matters most. And the reason why most of us, we don't have time for what matters most is because for so many of us, we spend our time on things that really just don't matter. We mindlessly spend our, our time on things that don't matter. And I think one of the biggest culprits of this would be technology. I think we would all agree that one of the greatest consumers of time in our lives is technology. In fact, let me illustrate this. I could have chosen any number of illustrations, but let me just, let me start with these, these three. Let's start with social media. But did you know that in 2023, the average person on social media, how much time they spend a day on social media? It's 913 hours. The average person spends two and a half hours a day on social media. But get this, right? Here's the good news. We got a young church. We have a lot of young people within our church, which is awesome. Way to go, NYA. A lot of you are above average <laughs> because you're younger. And the younger you are, those averages go up. You're way up there. You have time for what you choose to have time for. One of the biggest threats to our relationship with God is our phone right here. In fact, actually, let me check and see if I have any text messages or, or emails. Actually, I do have a few here. Hold on. You know, and, and how many times a day do we do that where we look at our phone and we're checking, man, is there something I need to respond to that interrupt us from people or moments in front of us? You think about that, that people average seven hours of screen time a day Gen Z, it's even higher than that. It's nine hours of screen time a day. Let's talk about video games. And here I kind of want to press in. I want to talk to the guys here, to the gentlemen for a moment. But did you know that the average guy by age 21 will have spent 10,000 hours on video games? 10,000 hours by age 21 on video games. Now think about that. That's like a big number, like... How do we realize how much time that really is? Well, think about it this way. Here, here's some options for how you could use 10,000 hours. One thing you could do at 10, 10 bucks an hour, with 10,000 hours, you'd be able to make $100,000. With 10,000 hours, you could get an undergraduate and a graduate degree. Another thing you could do is if you're an average reader, with 10,000 hours, you'd be able to read 2,000 books. 
You could get your pilot's license. You could memorize the New Testament. Think about what you could do with just a fraction of that time if you poured that time into the people and the relationships closest to you and you served them and you loved them. How might that mend the relationships of the people around you? If we would just put away whatever device that we are is consuming our attention that we're invested in and we put that down and instead chose something that truly, really mattered instead of wasting our lives on things that don't don't really matter. What if the subtle sin of busyness is robbing us of God's best for our lives? And so what do we, what do, we do with this? Like, okay, yeah, I get it, I'm busy, but what do we do? And, and this is where I wanna be cautious because in, in a talk on busyness, the tendency is like, okay, here's the three or four or five things that you now need to do which just make your life even busier. And that's not what I want to do just to give you behaviors. You know, we've been talking about God's best for our lives and how busyness robs us of that, that, but what is God's best for my life? Well, Jesus tells us God's best for our lives is to love him first and foremost, to love him fully and to love others. That's God's best for our, our lives. And so then I think the question is, well, how much of my life looks like that? Am I loving God? Am I loving others? And I think a place for us to just start, it just comes with a heart, Evaluation that comes with a perspective change of just talking to God. And I think, man, if we pray this simple prayer each day, it doesn't have to be this prayer, but one similar to this, of just, God, help me to slow down so that I can experience you more fully and love people more deeply. God, help me to slow down. Help me to walk slowly enough to experience Jesus more fully into my life and to serve the people, to love the people around me just in the way that Jesus modeled in his life. And I think as we slow down and as we pray that prayer, some things begin to change in our lives. I think some of the things that change is we begin to become present with the people around us, that wherever you are, be all in. Jesus, he was all in with people. When he encountered them, he wasn't focused on anyone else. He was there and he was present. And we all know what it's like to be physically present in a, in a place or in a room, but yet, man, we're miles away because our thoughts are elsewhere or we're in front of a screen. Wherever you are, be all in. Another thing I think is we pray for God to slow us down so that we can be with him and know him and know others and love others. What begins to happen is we choose what's important and we eliminate what's not. Are there things that you need to say no to so that you can say yes to what's most important in your life? If Jesus said what's most important is loving him and loving others, and Jesus modeled this and he shows us this and he's telling us to walk in this way, well then, does your life reflect that? Does your time, does your schedule reflect that you love God more than anything else in this world? Does it reflect that you're willing to serve others and love others more than so many other things in this world? Is there something you need to say no to in your life so that you can say yes to what's most important? And then I think finally, as we're praying for God to slow us down, I think what's most important is it's gonna help us to recognize and listen to God's voice in your life. Maybe God's been trying to get your attention Maybe there's things he's wanting to show you and teach you and refine in your life, but we're just too busy, right? We're missing it. There's so much other noise. There's so much other things that we're missing. There's people and opportunities that God wants us to serve and to love, but we're just missing it. But as we slow down, 
As we slow down and we take time to be with God, we're gonna begin to recognize his voice. We're gonna begin to listen to his voice in our lives more. You see, you have time for what you choose to have time for. The solution isn't more time, it's, it's more of what matters most. You think about Jesus and his life and as he walked through his life, where was Jesus' life headed? What well, was to the cross? Because that was his ultimate goal, to give his life for us so that we could experience the forgiveness of our sin. And all along the way, Jesus served and Jesus gave. And what's interesting is he tells us to do the same thing, that we are to deny ourselves. We are to pick up our cross and we are to follow Jesus. Has busyness, the, the reality of that, the subtle sin of busyness pulled us away from that mission that God has called us to. Let's not let the subtle sin of busyness rob us from what God wants for our lives and for what is best for our lives. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that, God, you displayed that love through Jesus. And we have an example, God, of what truly is best for our lives as we look at the example of Jesus. Lord, and God, I pray that we would, we would learn to value the things that you value, Lord, that we would slow down. And maybe the things that are occupying our time and schedule would be replaced with things, God, that truly bring, bring honor to you. They would be replaced with things that increase our love for you, and they also increase our love and ability to serve and love the people that you have placed around us, God. God, help us to do that through your spirit and by your grace to be a people that are in love with you, that are passionate about walking with Jesus. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.